Do you also want to have a better and deeper sleep? Figure out how many hours of sleep you actually need and what could really calm you down before bed so you don't have to lay in bed anymore and worry about all the small and big things in life that you could solve right now but it's really not the time because you want to go to bed and make sure you wake up at the time again then yeah this episode is exactly for you i'm very excited i have invited a sleep expert her name is dr caitlin chesler and she's the founder of this sleep project in the uk and together we want to dive into practices that can help us all to calm our minds before bed to prepare ourselves before bed to figure out how many hours of sleep do i actually need how can I get into my deep sleep phase and many more different and interesting things that I want to discover with her here today. So yeah, Dr. Caitlin Chester, thank you very much for coming here on this podcast with me today. Would you like to introduce yourself first? Of course. So um, I'm a doctor by background, a family doctor. I'm a specialist in sleep and a trained CBTI therapist. I also have a particular interest in female hormones and how they correlate with sleep and those kind of biological mechanisms that we can use to help us sleep better, sleep deeper, and to combat sleep problems if we're having them. And I guess my journey started about 10 years ago. I was having difficulty with sleep myself and was trying to figure out my way through it and thought back to my own training at that point I'd been a doctor for 10 years and I thought oh I, there must be some resources I can draw on but actually in all of medical school there was only uh, a day at most of teaching about sleep um, and most of it was on which medications you could use and about disordered kind of breathing and sleep and nothing about the kind of life-giving properties of getting nourishing sleep, how to switch yourself into those deeper stages of sleep, and nothing about how to fix problems when they start. And so I spent the, the next sort of 10 years discovering different ways that really we can use our natural hormones and uh, nervous system to help facilitate really healthy, nourishing sleep. And also what really happened was more recently during the COVID pandemic, there was a real increase in the uh, occurrence of sleep problems. And that was a real trigger of we need to bring together the sleep project where there's two doctors and nurse and we're absolutely dedicated to bringing healthy restorative sleep to all these busy people who are having restless nights and not getting that nourishment that they need. Thank you very much. May I ask you, why is sleep actually so important? So it's this incredible process that's happening every single night. And it used to be thought, and in fact, it's probably the reason that it's not studied as much as other areas of medicine, that your brain just sort of switched off, went into off mode, and it got to rest overnight. But actually, we've discovered it's a really active process while we're asleep that uses lots of energy and it's all about washing and cleaning the brain it's about storing memories um, getting rid of any sort of redundant memories about emotional processing 
and it's vitally important for um, the prevention of chronic diseases like um, heart attacks, strokes, diabetes, for controlling our appetite, our food cravings, what we want to eat and how much, um, about our memory and how we recall things and process things that happen in our, our lives, but also it's really useful for creativity. So all areas of our brain connect while we're asleep. So we're capable of much more creative, out-of-the-box thinking that happens while we sleep. And in fact, if there's a problem and you sleep on it, sometimes I'm sure people have recognized they wake up with a solution. That's because actually our brain is going through everything that happened during that day and coming up with new ways of thinking about that information. And that's so important both for our physical, but also for our mental health. And we know that sleep and our mental health are very, very closely related. Thank you very much. This was really interesting. And I especially also want to get a bit deeper into how our mental health and our sleep is connected. But may I ask you, maybe can you explain how our sleep cycles work and why they are so important that we maybe go to bed at like a certain time that we maybe dim our lights and things like this? Yeah, of course. So what happens is um, during the night you go through different stages of sleep um, as part of what's called the sleep cycle. And the sleep, every sleep cycle lasts approximately 90 minutes and is four different stages of sleep, each of which are really important in their own right. So first you go into stage one, which is kind of a lighter transition into sleep often that's that you get that sensation of falling that kind of drop feeling that happens and that's that stage one sleep then you go into stage two that's kind of in between the light sleep and the deep sleep and that's very important for our memory processing um, and we spend about half the night in that stage two sleep Stage three is deep sleep and this is the one that we often hear about that kind of deep nourishing sleep. And literally during that phase, the whole um, brain, the neurons expand and contract, contract. So a little bit like a sponge, it pulls in water and then squeezes out and it is washing the brain clean of any waste proteins, of sort of byproducts, anything that's gone on. And you can do tests of this before someone goes to sleep and afterwards, and you can literally see that these proteins have been washed clean. And those proteins, if they build up, are part of the aging process. So they, they can bring on aging, they bring on dementia and neurological problems. So deep sleep is very important for that. And it's also about muscle repair as well. And then dream sleep. And dream sleep, we probably don't fully understand, but it is when it's very important for processing particularly painful emotions. So if you're um, nearly hit by a car during your dream sleep, you'll go through that memory. You'll take away the bits that you need. Maybe look before you step out in front of the car or um, be careful on this particular road and help you to keep those bits of the memories 
So it separate the kind of painful association with that memory. And so an example of when that dream sleep goes wrong is post-traumatic stress, where you keep on reliving a memory because you can't let go of the painful processes of it. So that's an example of why that dream sleep is so important. And it's also really important for creativity. And so you go through this cycle going into each of those stages, and you do about four cycles on an average night. Um, and depending on what your body needs, you'll spend different amounts of time in each of those stages of sleep. So if, for example, you do lots of exercise and you've got lots of muscle damage, you spend more time in deep sleep because you need to do more repair. Um, so your body is incredible at giving you exactly the sleep experience you need to fix you after that day's experience. Um, and I guess the, the other thing that you touched on was the circadian rhythms, and that's really important as well. We've got an internal body clock in every one of our cells, and basically it matches all of our hormones, all of our processes, everything that happens in our body to a 24-hour cycle, our kind of day-night cycle. And basically that times everything that happens in our bodies, both during the day and the night, with that 24-hour hour cycle. But our circadian rhythm can't shift by more than sort of 30 to 60 minutes each day. So you, in order to really work in perfect harmony with our bodies, we need to try and keep a consistent routine so that we are synchronized with everything that's happening in our body. That's incredible. I think our mechanisms in our body are so, so, so impressive. And the fact that we have this built-in mechanisms that are helping us to stay healthy and alive and that are working for us if we just allow our body to do so. And my question would be, okay, so we have these four stages of sleep and we know that we need a certain amount of sleep and that we have this sleep routine that's supporting us and our health, but... How important is it actually that we really stick to this sleep routine seven days a week? That we really go to bed at this specific time and wake up at the same time every day of the week? Or is it okay that, I don't know, maybe on a Friday night, on a Saturday evening, you go to bed a bit later or wake up a bit later than you used to? Is this really disrupting our sleep cycle a lot? And how big are the potential negative effects of this? With all things in life, it's about balance. And I think sleep specialists in general are probably the most, um, probably not the most fun to have at a party because we tend not to advise alcohol or staying up late. And it depends her, for an ideal, great sleep and great health being as consistent as you can is really important. There's very good studies to say that consistency may even be more important than the total number of hours that you sleep. And that we know that when you have a more consistent routine, your mood's better, you feel more positive, you feel less lonely, you feel that your health is better, and it is better for kind of your happiness as well. What I think you're describing is what's called social jet lag, where like at the weekend, you might stay up later and get up later. And in some ways at the weekend, that probably doesn't make a huge difference 
because what's happening, your, your circadian rhythm will slowly adjust by half an hour, an hour, shifting backwards. And as long as you're not up for more than an hour or two after your normal bedtime over the weekend, your body will adjust. But what will happen is by the time you get to Monday morning, mm. your circadian rhythm will have shifted and you get your hormones support your sleep cycle to make it easier to fall asleep and easier to get up. So, for example, your melatonin is secreted in anticipation of going to bed, which helps you to get to sleep quicker, to get deeper sleep um, and feel more rested in the morning. And then in the morning, you have cortisol that kind of surges at the time that you're meant to get up. And if you shift it by two hours because you've had two nights of staying up a bit later, when you wake up in the morning, actually, your cortisol's not going to come into your system for another two hours. So it feels like waking up in the middle of the night. It's much harder to get up. You're much more groggy. And you might have found that it was more difficult to fall asleep at the kind of appropriate time to get you enough sleep. And so you really pay the consequences on the kind of Monday morning after the weekend. And so for perfect health, go to sleep at the same time every night but more importantly wake up at the same time and if you do want to have a night out and stay up later sometimes having a nap before you go out can be quite helpful to maintain that same wake up time in the morning which is probably the most important anchor yes thank you very much i wanted to ask you i hear a lot of noises and different opinions about power naps some say you should do this for 12 minutes to keep you energized during the day and other scientists that i've listened to they said it's actually not recommended to take a power nap because then you're disrupting your sleep cycle so may i ask you what's your opinion on taking a power nap to make sure that you get this small charge of energy in the middle of the day so as you say, there's lots of de debate about naps. There is good evidence that naps are very good at recharging your, your energy and making you feel more refreshed. And they're quite good for making up for lost sleep, whether in anticipation or afterwards. Um, we also know that they're very good for memory and consolidation of memory. So um, you'll find that your recall and your processing and your performance tends to be better after having a power nap. Where it becomes more complicated is if you have a longer nap, what it does is it reduces what's called your sleep pressure, your urge to sleep. Mm -hmm. And so when you then try and go to bed at your normal time, you might not feel sleepy. Um, there's a couple of ways where you can combat that. So one would be keep your naps really short. So less than 20 minutes is unlikely to impact your sleep at night. Um, and if you tend to do them earlier during the day, so finish it by three o'clock, then again, it's less likely to have an impact um, at night. And if you're doing a nap in anticipation of going out late, then actually it's quite useful potentially to not feel sleepy until a little bit later, but know that you've already caught up on a little bit of the sleep. So you're still able to get up at your usual time. Very interesting. How many hours of sleep should each individual try to get in? It's very personal. Most people need between seven and nine hours and eight is the average. But each person's sleep need is personal to them and determined by their genetics. So there's some people who will need nine, nine and a half, and other people who can survive on seven. 
the number of people who can survive on less is pretty small. So six hours or less, probably only about one to three percent of people can manage on that amount without having um, either an impairment to their performance or to their general health. And so the best way probably of working out what your sleep need is, is to think about um, if you were on holiday and you had no stress, you had no commitments, you didn't have any prime children or essays that were due and you just were able to relax, how many hours would you sleep then? And if it's um, eight hours, that's probably your sleep need. Interesting. So it's really all about listening to your own body and figuring out how my body or how much rest my body actually needs depending on the day and the schedule, right? Your sleep need will be exactly how much your body needs rather than anyone else's. And when you figure out what it is that your body needs, you need to continue doing that every night because it's no good having six hours one night and seven another. If your sleep need is eight, you need to give yourself enough sleep opportunity on a regular basis. And we do know that you build up a sleep debt over time. So if every night you're missing one hour of sleep, over a week you'll have seven hours of missed sleep. And that you can't pay back. You can't catch that up. And we know people who are having eight hours or more of sleep debt per week Their mortality, so their risk of dying, is 12% higher than someone who's having adequate sleep. So it's a huge, huge difference that sleep makes. And that's a little bit, um, probably road traffic accidents are the most common cause of people, that mortality risk, but it's also heart attacks, strokes, um, diabetes, um, insufficient sleep has been linked to seven out of the 15. Um, top causes of death. Thank you for this eye opener. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really incredible. And when you look at the performance of people who have missed uh, sleep, so for example, sleeping six hours, if someone slept for six hours for 10 nights, their performance would be the same as someone who'd gone an entire night without sleep which is really incredible because I think there's a lot of people, probably about 20% of the population who are going around on six hours of sleep and feeling fine, but actually their performance is significantly reduced. And about 20% of road traffic accidents have been linked to insufficient sleep. Yes, thank you for underlining the importance again, because I think there's this one major point that I want to point out here right now is when you don't sleep enough and you don't let your body rest and your mental health restore everything, then you're not only risking your own mood, your own health, and probably also decreasing your lifetime, you're also risking other people by being less attentive. Yeah, and I mean, I think it even goes further than that. We know that when you are well slept, you are better able to engage with others. You're better able to read other people's emotions. And so you're a better boss, a better parent, a better friend, because you're the part of your brain that is so important for those interactions and empathy and kindness 
is uh, only able to function when you're well rested. Yes. If you're underslept, actually your brain prioritizes those kind of other core functions that are closer to kind of basic biological needs. But those higher functions, your brain needs lots of sleep to be able to do. Very interesting. So I think we always come back to prioritizing your health and your needs is really not selfish. It's more important because then you allow yourself to be the person that A, you want to be for other people and B, you need to be for other people in order to not risk their lives, their moods or yeah, ruin their day. Absolutely. And I mean, there's some really interesting uh, cases of people being incredibly creative during their sleep. So there's lots of people who will say, oh, I've got a problem Crazy just, dreams. just sleep on it. But for example, um, Paul McCartney dreamt the entire melody of the song yesterday and woke up, stumbled over to his piano and scribbled the whole thing down. And the entire thing came to him in a dream. And it was so complete that he thought someone else had written the song. Um, so our minds are capable of incredible things while we're asleep and we just need to give them that opportunity. Thank you for sharing this interesting story. So it's very important and healthy for us to dream and to get into this deep sleep to expand our skills when it comes to imagination. Mm, mm, interesting. Absolutely. There's one thing that I really want to address. I have talked with a few people about their sleep, what helps them to go to bed, how they feel before they go to bed. I tried to also focus a bit more on my patterns and habits when it comes to my bed routine, when I go to bed and when I wake up. And a lot of people told me that they tend to feel more anxious or worried in the evening. Now that you're the expert here, may I ask you, why is it that people tend to feel more worried in the evening? And maybe do you have an advice on what we can do to minimize this? Yeah, and I, I think that's really important. It's, it's not related to the melatonin, but there are processes that go on that are related to sleep. So when you are getting ready to sleep, your brain almost changes the way that it functions. It shuts down or, or reduces the kind of firing from the frontal lobe so that our kind of processing part of the brain that um, is able to logically think through problems. So the logical part of our brain that is able to kind of weigh up whether something is worth worrying about is not functioning. And so the other part of our brain gets almost carried away with kind of cyclical thoughts, often very negative cyclical thoughts. And our brain gets sort of stuck in this mode where we feel like we need to solve that problem in order to go to sleep. But because the logical part of the brain has been toned down, ready for sleep, actually any of those solutions that you come up with in the middle of the night don't work. They're non-sensory they, they just are illogical and so what you need to do if possible is try and take that kind of worry and thought patterns away from the bedtime and the bedtime routine and 
I mean, there's there's a few exercises that you can do, such as like constructive worry. So you have a notepad that you jot down all your worries um, an hour or two before bed. And when you start worrying about them at nighttime, you say, my brain isn't working right now. Now's not the time. I'll jot them down in my thought diary tomorrow. And just by sort of putting them aside and knowing that your brain's not doing its best work, can sometimes just extinguish those thoughts. The other thing that often happens is when it's dark and you're alone, there aren't the other distractions. And so at that point, you start to think about things just because you have the time and space to do it. And so a lot of people find that that is the time when they do their thinking, not their best thinking, but they do a lot of it. And when you start worrying, what happens is your stress hormones get released and you get something called your fight or flight response happening as part of the worry. You start thinking, I'm never going to get to sleep. I've only got five hours. I've got an important meeting tomorrow. And the more you worry, the more the stress hormones get released. And these by design inhibit sleep. So for example, if you imagine being attacked by a tiger, these stress hormones get released to make you ready to run away, ready to fight. But you don't want to go to sleep in that moment because you need to fight the tiger. But these same hormones get released at night when we start worrying. And those stop us from falling asleep in exactly the same way. And when you do eventually fall asleep, it actually stops you from going into those deep levels of sleep. So the stage three and the dream sleep in the same way. Because when you're in deep sleep, you aren't as aware of your outside surroundings. And when you're in dream sleep, your body's paralyzed other than your breathing muscles in your eyes. And so those are points of potential danger. And if you're in a potentially dangerous situation, even if it's not real, your body prevents you from going into those deep nourishing sleep stages. And so the quality when you wake up, doesn't feel as good you don't feel as rested so it's really important to switch off the mind as much as you can before you go to sleep thank you very much this was really really helpful may i ask you what are maybe five habits we can practice to calm our minds and to prepare ourselves to have this really necessary good sleep yeah yeah and and i think um one of the things that's quite useful is to to consider children when we put children to bed For them, we have a really consistent bedtime routine, and often that will include dimming the lights, reading a bedtime story, talking about things in a really calm way, and then having maybe your special pajamas or whatever you do to get into bed. I love this. Um, and all of those things actually are, are really true of adults as well. Dim the lights because it starts to prepare you for bed. Your melatonin production starts to go up. Um, reading can be really good but anything that switches off your mind so from that sort of fight or flight response to what's called your parasympathetic sort of rest and digest and techniques that you can use for switching into that mode um, could be some people find reading is good some people find that watching a sort of relaxing documentary or whatever it is could help but you can also do breath work really helpful so making sure uh, and breath work is almost like this signal that you're sending to your brain and your body that it's okay you're in a safe place 
And the main thing with breath work is extending that out breath. And that tells the body it's okay. You can relax. And it helps slow down the heart rate and prepare for sleep. So breath work can help. Yoga Nidra, which is kind of a mind meditation, relaxation exercise, again, can be really good. But you have to find that tool that works for you to switch off the mind and then do it every night. So the body and brain love routine. So the more you can do it every day, your body anticipates and then going to bed at the same time as you possibly can. Thank you very much. This was really helpful. May I ask you, now that we're in this age of technology and I think you have an app for almost everything that you can think of and even things that we maybe really don't need, what are some emerging trends or technology in the fields of sleep science that you find really exciting? Is there anything that's coming up where you feel like, oh, this might be helpful or this is really interesting? Yeah, well, for me... Um... There's one that's really interesting where it's external electrostimulation. And basically, it's like a, a little headgear that you pop on and you put it on while you're sleeping. And as I've said, during the your sleep, you get these slow waves. So your brain almost uh, has an electro contraction that goes through the brain. And you can see this when you're measuring sleep, these waves that pass from uh, front to back across the whole of the brain. and um, what we know is that those are really important for preventing aging, for preventing diseases such as kind of dementia, um, Parkinson's, but also for memory consolidation, for depression and anxiety. And they are coming up with ways where you can put this headgear on and it gives you electrical waves that support your natural waves that are happening in your, your brain as you sleep and increases the amplitude, so the size of the wave going up and down. And there's lots of evidence that it uh, can help insomnia, it can help anxiety, depression, and potentially even cognitive function, so your um, storing of memories and enhance your kind of performance of the brain. Um, and they're not widely available yet, they're still in the research phases, Excellent. but I think for, for me, this could be this incredible way of enhancing what our brain already does at night really interesting what's the name again so i can make sure to look it up and link it in the podcast cranial electromagnetic stimulation um, i can i can send you a, a link to some of the studies and you can look at them but that at the moment you can't buy them they're still in the research phases but it's a kind of watch this space Please let me know or I'll probably follow your sleep project work anyways um, when they all publish it and it's ready uh, for the market because this sounds really interesting. Thank you very much for sharing. Thank you in general for this really hands-on advice. I feel like I've learned so much about my sleep patterns, routines I can now implement in my daily life. And I really, really appreciate that You underlined the importance of our daily and good sleep to make sure that we feel good, we are healthy, we're not decreasing our lifetime, and that we can be the people for our people. Yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time and your effort. No problem. And I think for anyone who's having difficulties getting to sleep, there's really, really good treatments out there, particularly kind of CBTI, that can help them switch off those processes and help them get better more restorative sleep 
Um, and what I might do also, we've got a kind of di diagnose your sleep quiz. So kind of a questionnaire for people where they can fill in. It takes less than five minutes. And it's about when you go to sleep and how many hours you get and those things that are stopping you from falling asleep. And then we can send you some simple tips on how to treat your sleep problem. So I'll send you a link to that and you can attach it to the podcast because um, there's lots of people with different sleep problems. And for some people, they've tried sleep hygiene. They've tried cutting out coffee. They've done exercise. They've done all those good things that help, but they're still struggling. And um, for those people, there is help. And uh, hopefully I can give you some tips about how to fix your sleep if you're struggling. Thank you very much. That's very, very kind. I think it's super important to understand your own problems and habits first to decide what you actually want and need to change, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because for some people, they can get really stuck in those habits of struggling to sleep. And the more ingrained those sleep problems become, the harder it is to fix them. And when you're feeling really tired, it's hard to change things and figure out which are the things that you need to change. And sometimes you just need a little bit of a helping hand to go, ah, oh, that's where I need to, to adjust things. And it can make all the difference. So anyone who is having sleep problems, get help because it really, really is something that you don't need to live with. Thank you very much. Thank you for your very important work. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Do you also want to have a better and deeper sleep? Figure out how many hours of sleep you actually need and what could really calm you down before bed so you don't have to lay in bed anymore and worry about all the small and big things in life that you could solve right now, but it's really not the time because you want to go to bed and make sure you wake up at the time again. Then, yeah, this episode is exactly for you. I'm very excited. I have invited a sleep expert. Her name is Dr. Caitlin Chesler, and she's the founder of This Sleep Project in the UK. And together, we want to dive into practices that can help us all to calm our minds before bed, to prepare ourselves before bed, to figure out how many hours of sleep do I actually need? How can I get into my deep sleep phase and many more different and interesting things that I want to discover with her here today. So yeah, Dr. Caitlin Chester, thank you very much for coming here on this podcast with me today. Would you like to introduce yourself first?